0: Daily Premier League news and views. This is Football Social Daily.
1: Steven Gerrard has been sacked... 40 games and just under a year into the job and enough is enough for Aston Villa. Gerard gone and the search starts for a successor. And hunting for a replacement is something Wolverhampton Wanderers are finding pretty difficult right now. Jelen Lopetegui said no. And now QPR boss Mick Beale has turned down the chance to manage in the Premier League to stay put in the Championship. Another blow to the powers that be at Molyneux. A frantic Friday with so much to talk about in the top flight today on Football Social Daily and, of course, the small matter of the weekly quiz as well. Welcome to the only Premier League Daily podcast. This is Football Social Daily. My name's Niall and joining me today, we've got Ian Brannan and Marley Anderson. How are you doing, gents?
2: Yeah, morning. Good, thanks. Fresh back from an MOT test. Not me, the car. Uh, but uh, yeah. Did the car survive uh, better than Leeds did last <laughs> night, Ian? That's the main question. Yes, yes. No dramas with the car. However, for Leeds, let's not go there.
1: Expensive to fix. A bit like Leeds United, some might say. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> yes, yes. Well, that's it. You might as well just put your money down the drain. <laughs> hmm.
1: How about you, Marley? Did you take in any of the action last night? Because there were two games in the Premier League and a European game involving Arsenal. But incidentally, we're not going to talk about any of them on today show so did you manage to catch up on any of the action uh, i had my
3: eye on it but i was i was uh, i was meant to be playing football last night but uh managed to get a uh-huh. get a puncture on the way there so i had to turn around and, and roll back <laughs>
1: Oh dear. So we've got Ian having an MOT. Marley's having a puncture. So I need to watch out wherever I'm driving in the next couple of days because it looks like I'm next on the list to get a car problem. Um, Stephen Gerrard won't need to worry about fixing his car or getting into training because he doesn't have a job anymore. He's been sacked by Aston Villa off the back of last night's pretty shocking 3-0 defeat in the Premier League away at Fulham. A red card as well just to compound the misery for Aston Villa's supporters. And that result was the final straw for the powers that be at Villa Park, they've decided to dismiss Steven Gerrard of his duties after a touch under a year in charge, 40 games at the helm. He's now been dismissed. Firstly, Marley, we've discussed it pretty much all week because I think we all saw this one coming. What's your assessment of Steven Gerrard's, let's say, 12 months in charge at Aston Villa? Um,
3: Underwhelming. Very underwhelming. Um, Made very rookie mistakes at at, at different times. Um and he never looked up for the fight, I don't think. Um I remember last year, it was the second half of last year, um Aston Villa came to came to St James's Park and um we were in that like that period where we were picking up wins and um you know climbing the table and getting away from trouble. So we were in form and they were sort of middling along like they were showing signs of improvement here and there. But um I remember it was one nil down, um Villa were one 0 down about half an hour to go, and um the camera cut to Steven Gerrard and he looked like just the most depressed, beaten down man in the world. He was slumped in his chair um in the mm-hmm. dugout, totally just not bothered about the game. And I was like, that's weird, because you've only been in charge a few months at that point. You'd only you know, it's not like you've been in, you know, three, four years and, and you know for a fact that your team's not going to come back. It was there was one goal in the game at at the time, and he was just slumped. And I just thought, that's bizarre for a you know a coach of. Is he even forty yet? I don't even. I'm, I'm not even sure he's forty. He's like so he's a young coach. He's expecting to be jumping around, shouting at players, trying to improve the team, pr- improve positioning of of players, and and so on and so forth. But he just sat there slumped, and I thought he he doesn't fancy this. That's, that's really weird behavior. And. If you see your your manager on the sideline and it looks like he's basically given up on you. Mm. I wonder what the the atmosphere in the dressing room is like. And, then... and
1: also, that's very unlike Steven Gerrard. For someone who, after yeah. the match, came out and said, I'm not a quitter, I'll fight to the end, it's not in my DNA. What he was saying to the media after the match didn't really correlate with the actions in his body language. On the touchline, like you say, I totally agree. I noticed that last night, once they went 1-0 down, he was slumped in his chair, whereas Marco Silver, albeit just standing in the dugout, uh, in the technical area rather, is probably a little bit more uh, positive than sitting with your hands on, on your face, wondering what to do next. So considering he was a, a very much a battler as a player and he says after the match that he's a fighter, didn't really see that in his body language.
3: No, not at all. Um, <laughs> it was almost a an exact replica of, of Liz Truss coming out and saying, I'm a fighter and I'm going to fight and I'm not going <laughs> to give up. And then, you know, 12 hours, uh, well, 24 hours in Truss's case and probably about half an hour in Gerard's case. Uh they were both gone. So it was um yeah disaster from start to finish really. Um he made a huge mistake with Tyrone Mings in the summer. Basically said, I, I think you're a terrible defender and you're not gonna play this season. Signs Diego Carlos. He goes down with an injury. Sod's law there that that you your guy coming in gets an injury um and you're back to square one. You've got an unmotivated, not bothered Tyrone Mings who in the last two games has given away an absolute sitter for for Mason Mount's goal and then bangs in a hell of a finish in his own net um, against Fulham last night to compound the misery. So it's kind of uh, ironic how things work in that respect.
1: I mean, when I asked you your assessment of Gerrard's time in charge, you said underwhelming and then by the end of your point, you said disaster. Uh, I think you could probably say both. If you're an Aston Villa fan, you're probably pretty inclined to agree with both of those comments because... As we saw last night, Ian, the entire Aston Villa away end were chanting, we want Gerard out. It was audible. It was clear. Everyone was joining in. And when a fan base turns like that against a manager, you've got no chance of staying in the job, really, have you?
2: No. Um, and and it, it is a, a damning indictment when, when your home support, particularly, you know, the... Particularly those that make the journey as well, travel. and travel. We saw that as well with Leeds United, by the way, with um, with, with Jesse Marsh as well last night. Very similar scenes, mm-hmm. and and um, I think he, you know his coat's on a similarly wobbly peg at the moment. But when the when the hardcore fan base turn on you, you're always going to have a few, you know, who are not going to be happy with any appointment at any point in time. You know, there'll be somebody who Man City who doesn't like Pep Guardiola. I'm sure you'll find one. One for whatever reason. But when the hardcore support, the diehards turn on somebody like Stephen Gerrard, who was, you know, hailed as an exciting appointment at the time. Yes, there were question marks about his credentials, but then at the same time, he'd also walked the Scottish League with with Rangers and, and won all that stuff up there. And so they thought, this is, the, this is it now. Steven Gerrard is a new generation of manager. He's going to take us on. He's going to revitalise us. And, and, all, and it hasn't worked out. And, you know, <laughs> what does this say about the Scottish League, number one? Um, and, and also for, for Aston Villa you know having lost those fans they need a strong appointment now because aston villa have dabbled in in the lower leagues of course over there over their time they know it's the championship's not a place that they want to go back to they've got plenty of time in the season to turn this around but that next appointment has got to be one that gels both with the players and with the fans as well
1: Yeah, Stephen Gerrard now, of course, has been sacked, but frustrations are growing with the board as well. There's plenty of talented players, as we've discussed right throughout this week on Football Social Daily, Marley. But is there a lack of structure and a lack of direction as well? We've heard from Aston Villa fans on social media. You can get in touch with us at FSD Pod on Twitter. We've also heard from Neil from the podcast For the Love of Paul McGrath. It's a really good Aston Villa show, part of the Sports Social Podcast Network, and he's mentioned about the powers that be above Steve and Gerard. So do you think that they're lacking a, a direction, a structure as a club? Because since Dean Smith has gone, they needed to sort of get that appointment right. Everyone was optimistic about Gerard. It hasn't worked out. So it's important that they get it right now, isn't it?
3: <laughs> yeah, 100%. They've got to get this one right. Because if you go back to to who it was before Dean Smith, it was Steve Bruce and it, it ended up awfully, you know, the fans were baying for his, his head as every set of fans he was, Uh, unfortunately enough to be managed by Steve Bruce does after sooner or later. So, yeah, they got that one wrong. Dean Smith came in, steadied the ship. And by steadying the ship, you know, Aston Villa should be a Premier League club. So if you steady Aston Villa, they should be a a, a regular Premier League side. You know what I mean? So that's how big their resources are and how how big a club they are. But, you know, they've got it wrong with Gerrard. Now it's a case of if they get this next one wrong, they could be looking at relegation. So they do need to get it get it spot on. There's, there's names flying round. Personally, I think they're all too big for Aston Villa. I think Pochettino's too big for Villa. As I said the other day, I think Unai Emery, I don't see why Unai Emery would come and leave Villa Real to come to, to Aston Villa. I I don't really get that. Um, there's talk of Thomas Frank, which is, is actually the, the most sensible option, I would say, because does he fancy the slight step up from Brentford? Um, quite possibly ironically Dean Smith's old assistant at Brentford eventually taking over the club that he left uh, a couple of years ago but yeah strange game how how it works but Mm. there's always Sean Dyche lurking like the Grim Reaper Um, (laughs) if the Grim Reaper was ginger and had a goatee he's lurking he's there he's ready to step in Uh, it's just a case of he likes
2: claret though doesn't he
3: he does like claret yeah Um, so yeah it's
1: a case of whether he gets
2: (laughs) the Prime Minister's job he
1: can reuse the same tie and cufflinks, can't he (laughs) he had at Burnley the
2: the odds there (laughs) this morning as of um, nine o'clock this morning Friday morning um, and top of the odds is somebody that we're about to speak about and it might potentially answer that first question in the next part of this podcast but Michael Beale is currently the odds on favourite for this job
1: it's uh, a very interesting one but because he was Steven Gerrard's assistant at Rangers and Aston Villa Mm. before leaving Villa to take on the QPR job on a permanent basis. And incidentally, as Ian rightly says, that's exactly where we'll be going next on Football Social Daily. Steven Gerrard has been sacked. Aston Villa on the search for a new manager. So too are Wolverhampton Wanderers. And their two top targets have both said no. One of those is the aforementioned QPR boss, McBeal. And we'll talk about it next. Welcome back, this is Football Social Daily. My name's Niall, I've got Ian and Marley alongside me and thankfully no one here today is getting the sack. Same can't be said for Bruno Large and of course more recently Stephen Gerrard who was given his marching orders last night by Aston Villa and his former assistant coach Mick Beale, is the current manager at London Club Queen's Park Rangers who compete in the Championship and he has been one of Wolverhampton Wanderers' top targets. We announced it on Football Social Daily Shots a couple of days ago. If you heard that episode, Wolves' top target after being turned down by Jelen Lopetegui was Mick Beale, the QPR manager. He's been there since the summer, only four months. He's got them in the playoff places in the championship at the moment, but Beale has said no. So Wolves have once again been rejected by one of their targets, choosing to stay in the championship with Queen's Park Rangers instead of the bright lights of the Premier League and Molyneux with Wolverhampton Wanderers. He joins Lopetegui in saying no to Wolves, as I mentioned a minute ago. And if Wolves weren't expecting Lopetegui to reject them, Marley, they really weren't expecting Beal to turn them down either. So what do you make of the decision from Mick Beal, the QPR manager, to stay put and turn down Wolves?
3: Uh, I was thinking about this yesterday and it it sort of, it moved quickly, this this whole story. In the morning, he was favourite. They were approaching him. They, they were sort of set on him, Wolves. Um, and by sort of late afternoon, it was Beals turning them down. And it was like... It got me thinking, like, I don't think any championship manager turns down any Premier League club at any point, unless there's a reason. And I thought about it, and I thought... Well, firstly, I was like, who's Mick (laughs) Beal? And then I was like, oh, it was Gerard's assistant. And then I thought the timing of it made sense to me because Beal was turning down Wolves, who were Aston Villa's rivals, and then Villa had a a must-win game against Fulham, like five hours later, you know, that night. And I just thought, is he waiting for Gerard to get sacked before he goes to that job? Because he knows the club a little bit more, he knows the players, they're used to him. It's a good sort of mid-season appointment because you've already got that familiarity and you've got the the World Cup coming up as well to to iron things out and to get a a sort of style of play involved and all the rest of it and and implemented sort of of thing. So I was wondering if, if that was the reason, but... I suppose we'll find out in the in the coming hours. If he's odds-on favourite, that tends to tends to to be manifested in the, in an appointment pretty soon. But um, it's a gamble. I'll, I'll I'll say that because as well as he's done with QPR so far, they've just got rid of a manager who they gave a chance in the Premier League in Steven Gerrard, who had never managed in the Premier League before, and they're seventeenth in the table, and they're about to do the exact same thing again. So if this doesn't go well, Villa could get relegated quite easily because this is it's a big gamble. Yeah,
1: it is and maybe we will see Mick Beale in the Premier League uh, sooner than we thought after rejecting Wolverhampton Wanderers maybe that will be with Aston Villa as Ian pointed out before the break the odds suggest that he is one of the front runners now for the vacant Aston Villa job. It's quite funny I saw a tweet saying that it it's a sign of the times when Birmingham City are the least embarrassing club of all the Midlands clubs at this moment in time. I think it says quite a lot. Um, But in all fairness to Wolves, I think they've got the comms spot on with this one. Embarrassing really in a way that a, a championship manager has rejected them. But Jeff Shee, the Wolves chairman, Released a statement yesterday and they moved quickly to do this, the comms department at Wolves. So you just should give them credit for that. And they've revealed that Steve Davis, who's been taking caretaker charge of the club, will remain in temporary charge until the end of the year. And the club say, Ian, that they're not going to rush in their decision to get the new manager and to get that decision right. It sounds like a long time to be managerless between now and the end of December. Still a couple of months at the very least. So... You know, you think of it in that sense, but with the World Cup coming up, I guess that gives Wolves a bit of time to search because there'll be a significant break there during November and most of December. So what do you make of that method that they've decided to go for in keeping Steve Davis in post until they find someone? And why are they choosing a snooker player? question, but
2: um, I saw Dennis Taylor at Old Trafford <laughs> the other night, so maybe he's up for a job as well somewhere. <laughs> these super players these days, they're just there for the money. Um, I, I, it's a good point you make about the World Cup because it's not actually that far away, is it? You know, we're nearly at the end of October now. When's the World Cup begin? Mid November, so it's only a few weeks away, really. Um, and if that buys them an extra four or five weeks to to get things sorted, um, then maybe you can see the logic there. Um, You know, we probably wouldn't think too much about it if they said we're going to appoint somebody in the next few weeks. We'd probably think, well, fair enough. So you've got that extra holiday after that, I suppose. The only thing is that a new manager then coming in during the World Cup isn't going to have players to work with and, and get to know the squad probably um so much and then you're going to be straight into the Christmas time because as soon as the World Cup finishes it's full on isn't it right from Christmas um through new year then you've got the transfer window opening so you're going to be well deep into it without maybe fully having an, a full understanding of the of the squad that you have um I so I, I see the logic I just think that if they do that um it, you know the, the the manager is going to be you know it's going from zero to hundred straight away and, and having to make some big calls on a on a squad he's not necessarily familiar with and and then you get that situation if they go out buying new players in January where you end up with a massive squad and he doesn't know what he's got fans start to get uh, anxious because the manager's not playing the players that they think he should and you know just sets the, I don't know and that's potentially how it might pan out but it is important to get it right they want to get the right man because you know we've seen the the benefits of constantly changing management uh, in even our own country, uh, and it's not good. You want some stability. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so it's important to it's important to not rush it in a week and get it right.
1: Strong and stable, um, a former prime minister once said. I'm
2: yeah. not sure. not quite, not uh, not. Looks like what that I would now, recommend to Wolves is that don't don't go with chaos with Ed Miliband, whatever you do.
1: <laughs> chaos with uh, Nuno Brito Santo maybe making a return. I wonder whether we'll see a. a Another leader making a a swift return pretty soon. That's my hunch anyway. But as for Wolverhampton Wanderers, they've got a massive game against Leicester at the weekend, Marley. Incidentally, Leicester beat Leeds 2-0 last night in the Premier League. They've said that they're going to keep Steve Davis in temporary charge until the end of the year. If they lose to Leicester City, which further compounds Wolves' misery, and of course Leicester are below them at the moment in the table and in desperate need of points themselves, do you think Wolves will hold their nerve? Or do you think that they'll try and speed up that appointment a little bit?
3: Um, I think they will. But to be fair, I think they're already looking. Like Even though they've said Steve Davis is going to be... The manager, he's basically going to be manager for a month, isn't he? Because the the World Cup break is in a month's time. So, do you think that's that like? just
1: they're just saying that Wolves just to kind of keep the pressure off a little bit because it's yeah. becoming to the point where Lopetegui says no and Beale says no, and then they're thinking, right, okay, we need to sort of <laughs> give ourselves yeah. a bit of a buffer here.
3: They need to regroup basically because number one has turned them down, the first choice. Number two, Lopetegui. Number two. The backup choice, Mick Beal, who they never expected to to turn it down, has also turned it down, and that is, you know, where do you go from there? Like you, you're panicking, then you don't want to make decisions when you're panicking, um, because you're stuck in then with another manager. You don't go to Sean Dyche, for example, if you don't want to, if you don't want Dyche. You know what I mean? You can't, you shouldn't just go for him because he's there. You should, you should have a strategy, and I think Wolves have done that. To be fair, I think the the World Cup coming round in December is. Um, is really obviously it's really unique for many reasons, but it's um it's perfect for managers uh, for clubs who are thinking about sacking the manager or or have sacked the manager because it gives it gives time to sell your vision to to more people in a more relaxed manner. You're not panicking because you've got a must win game at the weekend, for example. You're not going oh Christ, who's going to manage the team? The the team are in dire straits and stuff like that. So it's um it is something where it's I think it's pretty smart from Wolves to do that. Um I don't really think these these games in the next three or four weeks under um Steve Davis are gonna be like critical to the season. You've still got plenty of games left. Um after that. If you are if you lose all four, you can still, you know, win, you know, seven of your next ten and, and be comfortably out of trouble, for example. Like it's not mm. it's not totally critical, but
1: you yeah, did, it's not you, the same as like something Jim said the other day, Marley, where he was like, you think about teams that are bottom at Christmas and there's the statistics that say teams that are bottom at Christmas never get out of trouble. And yeah, it's different this year yeah. because we miss a month of the season. So it's yeah. not quite as as significant as maybe it would have been.
3: Yeah, and that's going to be Nottingham Forest anyway. So <laughs> you could take a six-month break, uh, you know, with one game going and they'll still be bottom. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those where I think they've done fairly well I've done. I think they've done the right thing. Don't don't panic into into making an appointment you're not fully happy with. So, yeah. you know, assess the situation. You know, uh, target your your chosen men and then try and get them in in uh, in time for the the World Cup break where they can have three or four weeks to to spend with the squad.
1: Speaking of Nottingham Forest, they are bottom of the table on six points. After Leicester beat Leeds last night, they move above them into 19th with a two-point gap. They're on eight points and it doesn't get any easier for Forest either as they kick off the Premier League weekend with a half-twelve kickoff at home to Liverpool. And as I mentioned previously, Wolves and Leicester, 18th and 19th place respectively in the Premier League go toe-to-toe. Aston Villa, they're at home to Brentford. Leeds United at home to Fulham. And some of the other significant games in the Premier League this weekend include Chelsea against Manchester United, Tottenham against Newcastle and Arsenal look to return to Premier League action away at Southampton. Those three games, as well as plenty of other stuff talked about on this week's edition of The Dugout, the Premier League podcast featuring former top flight professionals. We even had a little look at who we think our starting 11 for England might be for that opening group stage game of the World World Cup on the 21st of November against Iran with former England international Trevor Stephen and uh, former Leeds United assistant manager Steve Thompson helping me decide who that 11 will be. That's in light of Gareth Southgate having until later today to submit his 55 man provisional squad to FIFA for the upcoming World Cup. So you can listen to The Dugout, the podcast featuring former Top Flight pros wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for it or subscribe to the Football Social Daily feed. Check back a little later tonight and that way you won't miss it right that is it for the football side of things on today's episode of football social daily because it's time for the more important stuff now it's of course the weekly quiz we'll get stuck into it after this
0: football social daily find more great sport at sport social.co.uk football social daily subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode
1: all right, welcome back to today's episode of Football Social Daily. It is a Friday, which means it's time to test the brainpower of Marley Anderson and Ian Brannan, our two podcast pundits today. We've spoken about Steven Gerrard being sacked. We've spoken about Wolves' hunt for a new manager. Now it's time to see just how smart these two lads are. Ian, you seem to be on a ridiculous winning streak at the moment. So I wonder if you're confident that you
2: can <sighs> keep it up this time. I'm, I'm never confident. Um, but yeah, four, four on four. Uh, it's um, it's a great record four and O as the American football fans would say
1: as Jesse Marsh might say four and o, might four he? and
2: oh yeah well he's, he's never he's never been that what about he's you he's
3: zero and four isn't he <laughs> yeah. yeah
2: what about you Marley are you
1: gonna are you gonna win one is this your week is this well, finally it, your week
3: it depends on the officiating and the questions because you know I've had a few stinkers over the uh, the last few weeks <laughs> Ian's winning on a technicality as uh, as as Tate would say you know. So yeah, bring it on. If it's a fair game, I'll I'll smash him in at the ground. But you know, if it's not, then Ooh. I'll uh,
1: I'll lose. Fighting talk, week. WWE style <laughs> fighting talk. All right, let's get <laughs> stuck into it. We'll start youngest first, as we always do. So that means Marley, you're up with question number one, and it is: What minute did Cristiano Ronaldo walk down the tunnel in disgust in Manchester United's two-nil <laughs> victory against Tottenham Hotspur? Uh, eighty-eight. It was the 90th minute, 89 minutes, 23 seconds. So technically it was the 90th minute. So technically it's the 91st, isn't it? It's 89 89 minutes, 23 seconds. Oh, sorry. I thought you said 90. No, no, no. Unlucky. (laughs) Uh, Not a bad guess. Not a bad guess. It was pretty close, but it was indeed the 90th minute. So unlucky, Marley. Miss to start with. Moving on now, Ian, your first question. Which Brazilian club did the aforementioned Queens Park Rangers boss and former Wolves target Mick Beale used to coach at?
2: Um, Brazilian club. Um, I just you know I don't even know any Brazilian clubs. River Plate.
1: Oh, they're That's from Argentina. Argentina. Not <laughs> nah, bad. Sao Paulo yeah. is the answer. Yeah. he was a, oh, a coach oh. at Sao Paulo for a while. He's been a a coach for twenty years, and I think he's only forty one years of age. So he's been in the game a, a oh, long time already. So yes, he says that uh, development is his key to coaching, and he's worked in age groups at Liverpool and other clubs as well. So I think he's got a decent amount of experience. But this is first full time managerial role. Do you at know who Queens he was at
3: to? Well, in, in Sao
1: Paulo. Yeah. I don't. Have you googled it? Yeah. Who is rog- it?
3: Rogerio Seni, the goalkeeper who used to take free kicks.
1: Oh <laughs> really? Uh. <the> Paraguay fella. <laughs> no, that was Shilavere.
3: Oh, right, okay. Brazil had one as well, Rogério Senne. I think he scored like 100
1: goals in his career or something. Unbelievable. It was crazy. <laughs> well, Sao Paulo was the answer. So we're still scoreless at the moment. Moving on to your second question, Marley. And it's to do with Steven Gerrard. We've spoken about him. Lasted just under a year. 40 games as Aston Villa boss. He's now been sacked. But how many of those 40 games did Steven Gerrard win?
3: Uh, are these 40 in the in the Premier League or are they...
1: I think it's just forty games in general.
3: Right. Um, I can't. It's nowhere near.
1: Because the Premier League's a thirty-eight game season, so he's yeah. probably not quite had a, a full season. But then there's cup games and the rest of it. So I think it's forty in total, forty matches. How right. many wins in those forty it games? It
3: can't be. It can't be anywhere near twenty. I don't think it's as low as ten. So can't be much more than can't be more than fifteen, thirteen.
1: 13, correct, Marley. Unlucky for some. He's done well. Logic. (laughs) Unlucky for some, certainly for Steven Gerrard. He's been sacked. 40 games, 13 wins. Not good enough from Aston Villa fans' perspective. Well done. You're on the board, Marley. You lead by a point to nil. Going into Ian's second question. Brighton against Nottingham Forest was the first match of this midweek run of Premier League fixtures. What was the score?
2: Uh... (laughs) Do you know what? <laughs> it's a it's good a question, one. isn't it? It's a good uh, question. I flicked over and saw it. Wasn't it 2-0 to Brighton? It was 0-0, actually, oh, wasn't sure. it, in the end? So, it's more exciting than I thought.
1: Yeah, 0-0 score in the end for Nottingham Forest against Brighton and Hove Albion. Do you know what? You've got me... Uh, paranoid now I'm going to have to double check that <laughs> let me just check and make sure it actually was nil-nil I'm on the Premier League website was, now Yeah, I've, yeah got to, I've got to be
2: honest this, this this round of games in this midweek has sort of washed uh, over me a bit That's <laughs> it, that, that, that Amazon was a,
1: Prime week isn't that it that was a good like... question I'm really proud of that question um, so it's still 1-0 to Mali going into your third question Ruud van Nistelrooy returned to Arsenal last night, having last been there as a Manchester United player and part of that brilliant rivalry in the early 2000s where it was Wenger against Fergie and Keane against Vieira. But how many Premier League goals did the Dutchman score for Manchester United?
3: Oh, um, I'm I trying to think if he's part of the 100 club or not. I don't think he is. I think he was just short of it. Um... This is so much harder than than a question of what was the score in a game two
1: days ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that is one of those questions that was so easy that oh you'd imagine God. that I, I thought would have someone... got an ABC thing of this, but uh... I think I'd say you're on the right lines, though. You're on ninety four. R- oh, Marley, it was ninety five. Oh, oh, you're joking. Ninety five goals. I knew he was just short. Yeah. I remember I had a feeling he was. just... <laughs> oh, he, along with Yakubu, he's one of those players who fell just short of becoming a member of the Premier League 100 club. That is so close, oh. but um, a whisker away. Post and uh, out. If it goes down to a draw, I'm having half a point for that. Post and out. Post and out. Uh, unlucky. It's still 1-0 to you, though. Ian has yet to score a point, so here we go. Yeah, but Ian will get a question like, what's your middle name, Ian, in about two minutes? <laughs> well, well, here's Ian's <laughs> next question. Probably get it wrong. <laughs> Walt Fast was brilliant for Leicester against Leeds United last night. What club did the Foxes <laughs> sign him from?
3: You should have just pronounced you should have just said pronounce his name <laughs> <laughs> Uh
2: Um Um oh, I dunno Eindhoven No it was uh, stod
1: the French club tough question that. Tough question. I was going to say Anderlecht.
3: No. I
1: thought it was a Belgian one. No, no, no. He is Belgian, but he signed from Stolte and it took them ages for him to get a work permit to to get his first game in the Premier League. I think he was there for three weeks before he first played a game for Leicester City. Thought he was very good last night against Leeds, I must say. Um, At least he wasn't sliding the ball into his own net like a certain robin cock i half thought the commentator was going to say old Mm. cock when he was sliding in and put Uh, the ball into his own net but it wasn't to be um still one nil unless
2: james may was on commentary (laughs) i'm pretty sure you can't you can't use (laughs) that phrase in commentary i mean you could
1: james Uh, may on commentary do you know what can you imagine the three Mm. top gear boys on commentary it'd be awful wouldn't
3: they've they've done it before i think they they did they did a game last year i think I can't remember what it was. Probably but...
1: to do with Amazon Prime, actually, isn't it? I yeah, it was. It was one of the Amazon sort of games, of promotional yeah. thing. All right, Marley, next question for you. You still lead by uh, a point to zero. Fulham's new stand at Craven Cottage is very impressive. It's called the Riverside Development. But what is unique about that stand in the Premier League? Uh... This stand has a feature which no other stands in the Premier League has.
3: It's got indestructible seats when Tim Ream slices the clearance <laughs> yeah. out of play. Um, don't know, the only one built on the, it's built as a part of a river bank or something?
1: Uh No, I'm not sure we can go with that, seeing as the city ground is literally next to the River Trent as well, so it's, I don't think that really oh, counts. Yeah. Uh, the answer is it's got a swimming pool on the roof. Did you notice Brilliant. that? that's what every football club needs. Did you not notice that? <laughs> it's got a swimming pool on the no. roof? No, <laughs> I'm not paying any attention to pool. <laughs> It's a swimming what? pool on the roof, man. Can you not oh see people God. chilling out, swimming? It's a very Fulham thing, that, isn't it? Jeez, <laughs> Would you like to watch a football match Can you even access in a jacuzzi? It? I've no idea, but it's got a swimming pool on the roof. So, my God. Um, you know, that's, that's how corporate things are getting now in the Premier League. So, uh, Fulham
2: Stadium swimming pool. Oh well, yeah, I don't
1: it? think there's any other in the Premier League that have Just got. googling uh, it, <laughs> have got a swimming pool. Well, oh, I mean, technically like, Old Trafford does, doesn't it? Because it's, it's, it's not got like... puddles
2: of water on the roof <laughs> because no one's no one's cleaned it in about fifty years. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I'm not sure if you can actually watch the game from the swimming pool. Have you seen that place in the? Is it? Um, it's right is on it, the side of it. Yeah, is it at Green Bay or somewhere like that where they've got a, a hot tub? At the NFL, and you can pay to be in this hot tub watching the match.
3: If oh, that's the kind gosh. of thing
2: you want, I'm not sure it worked in Fulham. There, but
3: there was one in in France recently. Um, I think it was might have been Reims, like like we said before, or Bordeaux or something like that. They <laughs> well, they put a hot tub in the side of the side of the thing. It's literally just behind the uh, the
1: corner flag. Aside from <laughs> Olympics and of course the actual swimming in the Olympics and Commonwealth Games and stuff, I think the most famous swimming pool in sport has to be from the Monaco Grand Prix.
2: Oh yeah, Formula One.
1: Yeah. Lapisine. They've even got a corner named after it and on the circuit, the swimming pool corner. And I've always wondered how much it would cost someone to pay <laughs> to access that swimming pool when the Monaco Grand Prix is on. I bet that is an eye-watering amount of money. Even oh, something sick. Fulham fans couldn't afford. That's I think. <laughs> <laughs> Final question. And if Ian doesn't get a point here, that means Marley. You. Win the quiz, oh, so you should be moment, hoping eh? for Ian to draw a blank here. And again, I have um, not come armed with a tiebreaker question. So, well, mm. in that case, I'm having the half a point for Ruud van Nistelrooy's 94 <laughs> goals. <laughs> <laughs> okay, final question, Ian. Mm. What did Manchester City striker Erling Haaland reveal is his favourite food, but something he rarely ever eats? Oh. Uh. I feel like he knows it. <sighs> I
2: think I know it. In fact, yeah, I'm is it? Sure ah, you know it. it's a it was a kebab. Oh, was it? It is a
1: Donna kebab. Yeah, he's That's got it right. right. He's got oh. it right. He's levelled the scores.
3: He done well to mute his keyboard when he was uh, Googling <laughs> that as well. There. Uh,
1: no, oh, it's a great, great, great result for Ian there at the end, clinching a point to make it. Uh, it's 1-1 one, one actually 1-1 one, one after one, 4 one. questions each which means we go down to this one this this tiebreaker question is going to be fastest finger first as it often is no googling this time which high profile sporting talent claimed that they were willing to invest in a league one football club earlier this week
2: <laughs> uh, John McEnroe <laughs>
1: <laughs> Nope. um Can can we have a clue? Because <laughs> uh, the League One club is Morecambe.
3: More, f- I, is it is it a film star?
1: Not a film star. No, it's a sporting star. Oh, it's a sporting Peter K. star. Peter when you when you draw the dots oh, together, it'll oh, become blatantly um, obvious. Fury lives in Marley. Tyson doesn't he? Fury, he does, yes. Ah. Tyson Fury, well done, Marley. He's done it. Ah. He's clinched it. He's <laughs> clinched it. Tyson Fury was the right answer. Well done, Marley. You've ended Ian's unbeaten streak. He is now one and four instead of oh, four and zero. Oh, it's oh. <laughs> oh, when the
3: Undertaker's streak at WrestleMania went uh, went down the pan. <laughs> yep,
1: yeah, Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury sat up. Uh, like he did, like the Undertaker against, the, against like he did against Wilde. Deontay Wilder. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I thought that um, once I said Morecambe, you'd have got that straight away, Marley. But once, once the uh, the sparks connected in your brain, yeah. you managed to get it right. In to the be end. honest, it,
3: I don't listen to most of the stuff Tyson Fury says because it's hard to filter
1: out the And absolute also, a lot of it comes out, is of it. isn't it? Yeah. like there is no way. Um, I'd, I'd, I dislike seeing Tyson Fury invest in. Morecambe Football Club—they're um, up for sale, so he's been offered to buy Morecambe. He—he uh, he owns the training ground, he owns the gym that Morecambe use, so may as well just buy the club, by the sounds of what Tyson Fury's saying. But anyway, can you imagine? Be a bit crazy. The—the—the the, um, the media speculation would be similar to what we've seen at Wrexham, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah,
3: yeah, probably. Uh, I'm not sure the impact would be quite as uh, as thought out and smooth, but. <laughs>
1: Interesting. Can you imagine a Tyson Fury post-match interview? Oh God! Every, After more, eleven Dossers on the field beat eleven other Dossers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay.
3: <laughs>
1: God. Oh, Brilliant. Right, nice one guys. Well done Marley, winning the quiz, ending Ian's unbeaten streak. Despite the emergence of Erling Haaland's Doner Kebab, Ian was not able to get the job done because Tyson Fury and Marley's answer of Tyson Fury landed the knockout blow to win him the quiz. And don't forget, you can listen to more episodes of Football Social Daily, including the dugout featuring a former England international, Trevor Stephen. He also won the league with Everton, of course, in the 80s and former Leicester midfielder, And ex-Leeds United assistant Steve Thompson is joining me also on that programme, which is coming out later today on the Football Social Daily feed. So as I mentioned, hit the subscribe button or follow or whatever it might be on whichever platform you use to listen to podcasts and you won't miss an episode. You can also search for The Dugout wherever you get your podcasts, whether that be Apple, Spotify or elsewhere, and you can find it there. That'll be out later tonight. But that is it from us for another week on Football Social Daily. Fergal will be back on Sunday looking back at the weekend's Premier League fixtures. But until then, we'll catch you next week here on Football Social Daily.
0: Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk.